Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and I've got a fabulous, fantastic guest who is a friend now. We've spoken on each of this podcast a few times, and um, it's just I'm just delighted to welcome back Diane Wingert. And if for those of you who are listening and you don't know who Diane is, she is a business mindset coach who helps female solopreneurs uncover and eliminate the unconscious beliefs that hold them back. And after her 20-year career as a licensed psychotherapist, Diane is now a trained and certified coach to shift the conversation from problems to possibilities. I love that. She's also an expert in the intersection of feminism, ADHD, and entrepreneurship. And as a woman who is 2E, so that means ADHD and gifted, Diane practices and teaches radical self-acceptance, which I think we all need. Diane, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you back. Even though the last time we spoke was on my other podcast, The Ambitious Mum, this is a lot more aligned because um, back then I was sort of newly diagnosed ADHD and I was sort of teetering around the subject. And now I'm willing to go full in and just get down and dirty with you, who is what you call yourself, like a no BS coach. And I just love that. So welcome. I'm really happy to reconnect with you. In fact, as I'm looking at both of us on the screen right now, I realize I had short hair the last time we met and now it's almost to my shoulders. So yeah. And you look great. You look great. Thank you. And we were just saying before we came on on that it's like four or five o'clock in the afternoon here and you've just woken up, you're eight hours behind West Coast America and just how fantastic um, it is that you can just jump on a podcast and chat away at like 7am in the morning. I'm very impressed because it takes me a few hours to wake up, but it just shows how different the ADHD brain is, isn't it? I was just thinking about that. As a matter of fact, most of the people I've worked with over the years as both a therapist and a coach who have ADHD are what I call slow to arouse. They just have brains that take a while to boot up. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I wake up fully charged and I can immediately get into a meaningful conversation if someone happens to be there. My husband has trained me to leave him alone for the first few hours because I would just wake up and say, oh my God, you know what I just realized? And he'd like have one eye half open and say, I don't care. I don't need to know right now. Wait until later. That's so, funny. Yeah, big With the opposite. So my husband's exactly like you. Mm. He wakes up at the crack of dawn and is like full on motor. And I, I, I'm i the one that needs like 
five cups of coffee and tea to like have a conversation. So um, at least we balance each other out. So it's good. So for those that don't know Diane, she has the most fantastic podcast called the Driven Woman Podcast. And I have used your podcast so much um, to boost my own resiliency, to really step into my confidence. I love your interviews with your clients, but I also love your solo episodes. I have to say, it's like a little pep talk in my ear. And I just love listening to your voice. But what you talk about has so much potency. It's really, it's what we all need to hear, but a lot of people sort of tiptoe around the subjects. You just go full straight in. And I love it. It's just kind of like, just let's get to the point. No, you know, wishy-washy stuff. And the reason why I wanted you to come on to talk was because I listened to one of your episodes and it was all about resiliency and fear. And I thought, you know what, that is exactly what I'd love to talk about today because I'm a solopreneur. And I think quite a lot of other people that might be listening might be either just recognizing themselves as that leaving corporate recognizing they've got ADHD wanting to change their life can you tell me a little bit about how you work with your clients about building resiliency and eliminating that fear that we've constantly been listening to that prevents us from being our our best selves thank you for asking me about resiliency in particular because it is one of my favorite subjects and always has been you are probably aware that at least half of all women who get diagnosed with adhd also have a trauma history there are people who think the two are very intimately related in fact there are people who even think that adhd is caused by trauma i don't share that view however many of us have had trauma and because many of us also have sensitivity to rejection The micro trauma of getting so much negative feedback throughout our lives before we actually know who we are is something that is either going to beat you down and hold you down, or you are going to develop resiliency. So I find it really fascinating that many people with ADHD end up going into sales careers, because if you are a person who is sensitive to rejection and you're in sales or a solopreneur who is selling yourself, you are going to have to have a different relationship with rejection. And I think it's something that I think learning to do is extremely important. Now, we are female. We are socialized by female norms, which is to be nice, to put other people's needs first, not to be greedy, don't take too much, say, oh, no, you can have the last cookie and so forth. But as a solopreneur, you do need to be self focused. Now, that's the term I use, not selfish, because that's what people who are critical of driven women will call us. But we need to be self-focused. And the resiliency comes from a couple of things. One, not everything you do is going to work out in the way you hope it will. In fact, the majority of things (laughs) will not work out because we are creative, imaginative, and usually the way we think something's going to be it's not going to be matched by reality. I think it's why so many of us are prone to depression because what we envision and what we get, there's always a gap. So minding that gap is where the resiliency comes from. This is the result that I want to achieve. This is the outcome that I want to create. This is what I want to happen in this interaction with this other person, like a discovery call. I want it to result in a new client who adores me and I can help and we have a great experience. But they might think, 
mm, I don't like the sound of her voice or she swears too much. Or I actually had a person tell me one time, you, you will love this, Kate. The reason she decided not to work with me, I was too confident. Hmm. Like I got to admit that's a first and that, that's a, that's a very original reason for not working with someone. But I think the resiliency comes from knowing that your reality is, is probably not going to match what you envision in your head and making peace with that, because that's part of being a creative person. That is part of being an entrepreneur. We are visionaries. We imagine we're going to create this wonderful sales page or this wonderful post or this wonderful podcast episode. And maybe it's crickets. Now we could take our ball and go home. We could give up. We could quit. We could say, this isn't for me. Or we could say, Hmm, that's interesting. I'm curious. Why didn't the result I envision happen? The more you go through that, and you don't quit, and you don't give up, and you don't get sour, and you don't pull the victim card and try to play with that. You automatically develop resiliency. Every time you take a risk, every time you face your fear, every time you have a rejection-sensitive moment, and you use tapping or go for a walk or whatever you do to calm your nervous system, shift your mindset, and keep on going, you are developing resiliency. I'm just interrupting this podcast to say a huge thank you for helping me get on the new and noteworthy section on Apple Podcasts this week. I'm honestly blown away by the news, but it does show how needed this content and these conversations really are. And if you have been drawn to this podcast, you may not yet be diagnosed, but I have a strong inclination that you do indeed have ADHD. And if that's the case... I've got something you're really going to find helpful. I've created a free nine-step guide to support you before, during and after your diagnosis. So if you simply don't know where to begin practically and emotionally, I've got your back. This is a brilliant resource for anyone needing more guidance in a complex area. I've really given you all my best tips, including books to read and other podcasts to listen to. So simply head to my website, which is coachingbykate.me.uk, and you'll find it right there on the homepage or head to the show notes where I've also included it. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you can automatically get each new episode every week. Now let's get back to the show. What you said, I just kept thinking in my head was just the amount of pivots that I've done since I began my business. And honestly, it's been, I've gone round like 360 a million times because of those times where there were crickets and um, people didn't sign up and the clients didn't come and all those things. And I knew that I had to develop this sense of resiliency and maybe it's been there. You know, I think we are used to picking ourselves up and dusting ourselves off. I think you're probably right from a young age and those micro traumas that come in. And yeah, it's interesting to be able to look at it like that of the rejection sensitivity as well, because we are naturally more sensitive to criticism and failure and rejection. But then we also have, on the flip side, I think we do develop quite a high resiliency. So it's interesting how they go backwards and forwards. And you have to fail. You, If you want to be a resilient person, one of my favorite clients, Kate, refers to me as the speaker of uncomfortable truths. Mm. I love that so much. And that's why I refer to myself as being no BS. By American standards, I am extremely direct. And a lot of American men would say, uh, frankly, obnoxious, (laughs) right? 
And so I tried to like dim myself down. I tried to be more quiet. I tried to be less direct. It was exhausting and I actually got depressed. So I thought maybe I just need to find the people who are like, thank you. Thank you. I think being direct is a gift. Not that, that I have the gift. I mean, I can't help it. This is how I am. I think it's a gift to the other person because you know one thing about having ADHD, we hate wasting time because our relationship with time is, well, let's just say it's very interesting, but I don't like having my time wasted and I don't like wasting other people's time. So when you're direct, it gives people the opportunity to see who you are, to know where you stand, and then they can decide very quickly, is this for me or I need to get <laughs> I need to get out of here. I think that's a gift. Like I'm not going to string you along. I'm not going to. But when you are direct, like for example, some people say, you know, you'd be you'd have a much bigger audience if you didn't drop so many f bombs. I don't care. Because the people who not only don't mind that I swear, they actually like it. Mm-hmm. Those are my people. Yeah. But you have to take the biggest risk of all as a solopreneur. And I know you will agree with me. The biggest risk of all is being who you actually are, not pandering to your audience, not looking at this is what people are looking for in the market. So I'm going to format myself into some version of that so that I can be successful. Honey, that ain't going to last. I mean, you might get out the door and you might even start to climb the ladder. You won't be able to sustain it because that's not who you are. So the biggest risk is being yourself. Will you get rejected? You better believe it. You better believe it. But it's all what you make that mean. Like when you make it mean, I shouldn't be a coach. I shouldn't be an entrepreneur. I should go get a job. I should shut up. I should stop being opinionated, stop, whatever. Um, You could think that. And you've seen plenty of our colleagues fizzle out. And next thing you know, they're on LinkedIn, available for work, looking for a job. And I'm like, what happened? Because they didn't develop the resiliency of not taking it personally when there were crickets. This is the difference between what you did and what someone who isn't resilient would do. When you said, I think what I'm offering is really good. I've seen your stuff. I subscribe to your newsletter. I've listened to your podcast. It's like, this is really good. If I'm not connecting with people who like it and want it and want to work with me, then I need to change something about where I'm pointing the message or how I'm sharing the message. I don't stop. That's where the resiliency comes from. You have to have the struggle if you want to be resilient. There is no quick path. You cannot not fail and be resilient. The only way to be resilient is to fail again and again and again. And I think what you're saying is that most of us have probably tried to conform and mask over our lives, especially as women, like the conforming is, is a big part of it. And it's almost like we've had this permission slip to just be like, you know what, this is what's been going on for you. It it might be ADHD that's contributed to to you feeling like this. And you've almost got like a, a direction of you can go that way and be your true self, or you can go backwards and just stay that person, like suppress yourself. Like you said, you know, if you try to dim your light, you try to stay quiet and you were depressed. There's nothing worse than not being your authentic self. 
And I think the more you lean into that authentic self, no matter what it looks like, people are going to buy from you. They are going to be want to be part of your world because you'll magnetize the people who are meant to be there. And I know I've done it myself, I possibly at the beginning when I've been like, well, I should be like that coach and I should speak like that coach and I should provide this service. And inside my heart was like, no, 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 my soul was dying because it's just not me. But I think you're right. I think as the resiliency builds up, we learn to step into our authentic selves a bit more. And maybe I wonder if it comes with age, wisdom, experience, all the the knocks and the, the setbacks just add another layer of skin. I don't know. But all I know is, is that once you've developed the resiliency muscle, it spans out in all areas of your life, doesn't it? I quite agree. And as a matter of fact, I do think for some of us, it gets better with age. I also know that once you go through menopause, and your brain is no longer under the influence of estrogen, I call it, I call menopause the estrogen evacuation because estrogen, I have a lot of thoughts about menopause. Menopause is actually when your body stops producing estrogen. Estrogen serves many important purposes, but the one I want to highlight, it is a psychoactive substance that is referred to as the tend and befriend hormone. Now, what that means is as long as you are under the influence of estrogen from the time you start menstruating, until menopause, you are biologically programmed to put other people's needs, wishes, wants, preferences, and priorities ahead of your own. If this were not programmed into us as human beings, we wouldn't have children or we would eat our young like some animals do. And so we need to put the needs of others ahead of our own during all those childbearing years. But once your kids are grown and flown and you don't need that other focus, your body doesn't provide that for you anymore. I think a postmenopausal woman is a force to be reckoned with. Now, if you are in your 30s or 40s and you're thinking, no, no, don't say this. I don't want to wait 10 or 15 more years. I promise my clients, I choose my clients. They choose me, but I choose them. And I won't work with anyone that wants to work with me. I interview them and I select the people I want to work with because I only want to do work that creates amazing outcomes. And if I don't think I can do that, we're not going to dance. But um, they have to be ready for direct information and so forth. And not everybody is. I promise my clients that I will shave decades off your learning curve. How to be a, an assertive woman, how to be a confident woman, how to be a successful entrepreneur, and how to live very well as a woman with ADHD. It doesn't have to take you until menopause and beyond. I am of many generations of women who nobody saw our ADHD because they weren't looking for it. And when they saw what they saw, they attributed it to other things. She's unmotivated. She's lazy. She's spacey. She's stupid. She's disinterested. She's, you know, weirdo. She's whatever. We've always been here and our ADHD has always been here, but you don't find what you're not looking for. And by the time you understand this is who I am, you've accumulated decades of negative labels and negative self-appraisals. 
And that's a big part of what I do. I think of it as like emotional and mental exfoliation. We have to scrape off all those layers of all that conditioning where other people have told you who you are. You don't even know who you are after so many years of listening to that. And that's part of the resiliency too, is saying, you know what? I think it's high time, whether I'm in my 30s, my 40s, even your 20s, I am not going to let other people convince me who they think I am. It is my job to figure out who I actually am and what I want to do in this world. And I think a lot of us want to be entrepreneurs because I think it's a natural fit for the gifted or ADHD brain. Don't you agree? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Just interrupting the podcast to give a shout out to my sponsor, Equizin. Mood regulation, emotional well-being and brain health are always at the top of my priority list. So taking daily measures such as movement, breath work, tapping, drinking water and eating nourishing food has a huge impact on my personal emotional regulation. And yet sometimes we do need supplements to help us feel at our optimum. So as a health coach, a well-being coach and understanding ADHD a lot more, I know how important a blend of essential fatty acids such as omega-3s and 6s can be. And for that reason, I take Equizin capsules every day. Now, Equizin are fatty acid specialists with a range of products to support brain function. And backed by clinical studies, Equizin supplements are a precise blend of omega-3, which contributes to the maintenance of normal brain function and are made from fish oil and omega-6 from primrose oil. Equizin's range of supplements, which are suitable for all members of the family from adults to children, contain a balanced formula to really help get the natural benefits of fish oils without the fishy taste. So, to get discounted Equizin products for all the family, head to boots.com, that's boots.com, and enter the discount code KATE15. So, that's KATE15 to get 15% off all Equizin supplements. And for more information about Equizin and all their products, head to the website equizin.co.uk, that's equizin.co.uk, and learn how you can be supported more on your ADHD journey. Now back to the podcast. How do you encourage someone who is scared to, you know, maybe their boundaries have been off and maybe they have been terrified of offending people or saying what they want? How can you just step into confident communication without the fear of upsetting people, I would say. Maybe I'm asking from a personal perspective. You know what? I think it's a it's an excellent question. And this is really the heart of my coaching is boundaries, clear, confident communication, and not necessarily helping women not have fear anymore. Because I think this whole notion of being fearless is not appropriate it's not necessary. It's not really sustainable. Fear is normal. Fear is human. We should be grateful that we experience fear because fear is biologically programmed into us for survival. If you were fearless, you'd walk right out in front of a moving car. It is normal to be fair. But let me tell you a little story. For my 60th birthday, I wanted to do something big. I always wanted to do something big, but I especially wanted to do something big for that birthday. So I asked my kids to go skydiving with me because I I love having shared experiences with my adult children. Um, So my goal was not just to do it because many people have gone skydiving. 
I wanted to have that experience and not be afraid. Because you and I have both heard that fear and excitement really both feel the same in the body. I know this is part of what you teach. So when you feel excitement in your body, you know, your heart speeds up, your mouth gets dry, you're very pinpoint focused. So all of the physiological signs of excitement are identical to those of fear. So I thought, what if I could jump out of this airplane at 13,000 feet after I've sat through a 17-minute video and a 17-page informed consent, (laughs) where after every paragraph, they wanted me to acknowledge, yes, I understand that I could die or be permanently disabled, and I still want to do this. Can I actually do this without experiencing fear, only joy? And I believe I did. And it was through a combination of really very intentional focused mindset work. Like I'm literally telling myself what to think and meditation. I've been a Buddhist for the last 15, 16 years. So meditation is a regular part. I am very masterful with my mind, but it was not always so. I was an abused kid. I have been raped. I've gone through two divorces. One of my children is bipolar. Like I have been through some serious shit in my life. So I'm not a, you know, anomaly, but my goal is that I want to be open to all experience and to the degree that it's possible, I want to choose my experience. Now, you're not going to start from timid, fearful, non-assertive, obsessed with what people think about you and not wanting to rock the boat. You're not going to jump out of an airplane and go, boom, I'm like Diane Winger. It's a process. But I realized after a time, Kate, that I was not actually living. I, by conforming to the norm, by being overly concerned with what other people wanted, expected, needed, or would tolerate from me, I really wasn't having any genuine relationships. I really wasn't making any honest choices because everything I did, everything I thought, everything I felt, all my actions, all my choices, all my behaviors, all my relationships were crafted with that filter of what will they think? And you can't have an honest anything with that as your filter. So how I work with my clients is to identify first, what are the places where you feel constrained, intimidated, worried, and so forth. It's usually not across the board. It is usually not like I am literally scared of my own shadow and I can't even confidently order my Starbucks. That's not, you know, there are usually certain people, certain uh, situations, certain environments that are more triggering to us, that make us more nervous, that heighten our fear factor. And getting really, really specific about those is the first step. It is a process, but I think being aware that you are not living the way that you want to, living powerfully, living authentically, living with your own choices is the start. I think if it's something that you really want and it's important to you, you can. I'll tell you about a client that I worked with who was literally, she grew up poor in another country and came to this country, as did her husband, and 
he became a very successful entrepreneur. She's a stay-at-home mom with a number of kids. And over the years, as he continued to become more and more successful, their lifestyle continued to up-level. She was so self-conscious about that and so still attached to the mindset that she had of a little abused poor kid from this other country that she was literally always wearing clothes from thrift stores. Now, listen, I got nothing against thrift store clothes. I, I love vintage fashion, but she literally was not allowing herself to inhabit her current lifestyle because one, she was still attached to her identity from the past, but terrified that other people would judge her. She had a nanny for her kids. She wouldn't even let the nanny do anything because she felt if the nanny did any of the things that she would normally do as a stay-at-home mom, that it was like humiliating to her. I'm like, what is the woman doing all day? You're not letting her. So we really had to make some major reframes. And I remember one time she, I knew we were really having breakthroughs and she was really going to start picking up speed when she sent me a picture of herself wearing a really nice, very expensive outfit to go meet a friend for coffee. Now, this may sound like something you can't even relate to at all. Like that's a problem I'd like to have <laughs> is to be, but the truth is suffering is suffering. It doesn't matter what the source. It doesn't matter. And I say people have struggles at every level of society. Um, and a lot of people think, well, if I just had a lot of money, I wouldn't have any struggles. You are so wrong. You'll have different struggles. Mm. What I wanted to just ask you just before you go is that you say as an ADHD woman that we all have so many skills, amazing skills, but we also have these blind spots. And your quote was that, I don't know if it was one of your clients said that you are a flashlight. You show us where these blind spots are so we can heal and we can move on and re maybe reflect on them exactly what you were just talking about with your client and I think you know as women who are incredibly resourceful and probably quite resilient and creative and we want to run our own businesses but we tend to focus don't we on on the stuff that we can't do on those blind spots or perhaps we get in our own way and we don't know what those blind spots are it's possibly a very big question this before we you know before we finish but how can we start finding those blind spots so we can begin to move forwards and set up the businesses that we want create the lives that we want and no longer be held back by the things that we've always been focusing on all the things that we can't we perceive that we can't do and i guess what what it is that you how do you coach the women that you speak to when they suddenly realize they have these blind spots and moving past them? I'm going to answer the question in a little bit different way, which is, in my experience, Kate, we all know we have blind spots, but that's not how we look at them. We all know that we have strengths and struggles, superpowers and limitations. I think it's the stories that we tell ourselves and what we make those things mean that make all the difference. I've had so many people say, you don't have ADHD. Like, do you want to talk to my psychiatrist? <laughs> like, you want to talk to my husband? Um, and my three kids to whom I passed it on to? Thanks, mom. Um, 
And I think the reason why people suspect I don't is because I simply refuse to experience any more unnecessary suffering and shame. I have ADHD. You have ADHD. It causes certain blind spots that are pretty much true for all of us. Our relationship with time. I'll use this as an example. It is a fact that we have a different relationship with time. A lot of people call it time blindness. I choose to call it time optimism because I always think I have more time than I actually do. The fact that I refuse to make that something shameful, I refuse to make that uh, a deficit, something that reflects negatively on me, I have a different relationship with time. Now, that's not to say that I don't need to take responsibility for it, that I don't need to manage it. I have, you know, all my little things I have, I'm going to hold up for the visual, I have my little cube. I have all kinds of ways to assist me in managing time, but I know my relationship with time is not typical. I need to own that. Will I choose to think that means there's something wrong with me? Nope. That is optional. So the blind spot is really not so much, hey, did you notice that you have this problem, that you're always late, that you're restless, that you're always tapping your foot, that you've changed your hair color like 12 times in the last 10 years. Like, it's not that they don't know that there are these differences. It's that we have all grown up in a culture that teaches us from a very early age that being different is bad, wrong, less than, defective. I think what makes you different makes you unique, makes you special, and can even make you more valuable to others. But if you are suffering with this belief that all these things, I don't refer to the diagnostic criteria for ADHD as symptoms. I call them traits because that destigmatizes them. What you might call impulsive, I call spontaneous. Now, there are consequences if we just say, this is who I am. You just have to love me and love my ADHD. No, darling. Sometimes you're freaking annoying. Okay. I know I can be annoying. I can be oblivious. I can be obnoxious. I can be all of the things that we get accused of. I own that. And if it's negatively affected another person, I will take responsibility for that. But I am not going to hate on myself, shame myself, or squeeze myself into somebody else's box anymore because I don't have to. It's one of the beautiful things about being a solopreneur. There's a lot of challenges to working for yourself. We, I can come back and we talk about that another time. But one of the things that doesn't have to be so is that you don't have to make a business that looks like anybody else's. There is no the way. There is a way and another way and another way and another way. If you don't give up, if you don't think there's something wrong with you, you will find your way. But the first thing I would say is it might be kind of fun to take your set of symptoms and then destigmatize those words by looking at, okay, hyperactive, impulsive, distracted, you know, and then think of another way of looking at it that is neutral or positive. And notice the impact that has on your mood, your energy, your motivation, and your self-esteem. That's an easy hack that anybody can do. In fact, you can even put all those words on post-it notes, 
all over on your dashboard, on your bathroom mirror, on your laptop, and train yourself to see those traits in a different light. It is an instant glow up. I am not kidding. (laughs) Yeah, that is what great advice. And I know that I actually think that if the name ADHD was a different name, we'd all be singing from the rooftops about it. But I think that's a whole other conversation. It's that that's it. It's it starts from the very top of I have ADHD and then you break it down. It's like, that's just shit. That's just like, everything is like rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. It's but a terrible anyway, label. It's a we terrible, have a super bad PR problem with this. Terrible. Uh, In yeah. fact, you know what? I think it's another thing I, I would like to say is that being ADHD, having ADHD, um, yes, it happens to be a mental disorder. Yes, it causes struggles in our life. And for some people, I do not want to downplay. For some people, it is nearly disabling. But I promise that no matter how profound your traits are, and no matter how much they interfere with your life, thinking badly of yourself is optional. And at least that part can be changed. And what I have found is, yes, you want to work on structure and time awareness and organization, but change your mindset. Make a commitment to yourself that you will no longer think badly of yourself for being who you are and look for ways to focus on your strengths and not your struggles. It's absolutely true. Every human brain, not just ADHD brains, every human brain pays more attention to the negative than the positive. That is part of how we're wired for survival. But knowing that, you can give yourself lots and lots and lots of evidence of the positive to tip the balance a little bit more in your favor. And I highly recommend doing that. Yeah. And listen, I'm going to um, let Diane go now because I know how important time is to you and you've got another interview coming up after this. But if you want to listen to more of Diane, and I really highly recommend it, is just go to her amazing podcast, The Driven Woman Podcast, because you get to hear these amazing um, nuggets of wisdom in your ear. I do it when I'm walking the dog and I come back and I'm all pumped and, you know, like ready to go. So I really appreciate all your work on the podcast. And where can people find you? What website should people go to? You can go to my own personal website, Diane Wingert Coaching, and Diane has a funky spelling, D-I-A-N-N. I'm sure you'll link to it in the show notes. Um, Definitely check out the Driven Woman podcast, and I'm building my account on Instagram, so I would love it if you'd follow me at Coach Diane Wingert. Fantastic. Diane, thank you so much, and I hope that we will be speaking again very soon. You can count on it. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.